0: This is Issues 2022. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Deanne Smith, Executive Director, United Methodist Open Door. Welcome to Issues 2022.
1: Thanks, Steve. It's great to be with you. In fact,
0: I believe this is probably the last one of the year for the year.
1: Well, Happy New Year.
0: Coming up. Open Door started out as Urban Ministries, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And when was that? And how did the creation of this organization come about?
1: Yeah, so in 1965, there are clergy and laity from the United Methodist Church that were concerned about poverty issues and inner city issues. And of course, some of that was civil rights issues. And so they were doing advocacy um, and those kinds of things. And it eventually kind of grew into, oh, we need to meet some of the poverty needs and social service kind of things. Uh, 1967, they incorporated and, it is history. After that, we have had so many different uh, programs come and go. One of one of ours um, that I'm proud of is that used to be the United Methodist Health uh, Clinic is now Grace Med, out on its own and doing fantastic work. And there there are others like that.
0: Yeah, Grace Med is basically for people who can't afford to have health insurance, right? To That's better. Afford-
1: it's one of our federally qualified health clinics, and. Yeah has Homeless uh, Grant as well, Federal Homeless Grant that way. So, yeah, they're doing great work in the communities. And in a lot of communities, there's several different locations, as well as um, in other parts of Kansas.
0: Now, do you have a mission statement for, for Open Door?
1: Yeah, we're about, first and foremost, providing basic needs. But wherever possible, taking the next steps to create positive life changes. But at the base is protecting hope and dignity.
0: Yeah, and where's your facility or facilities? Yeah,
1: we have two facilities. So um, we have one at 21st and Grove area. Um, that is our food distribution center that is the largest food pantry in the area, open Monday through Friday. And then we also, in that location, have a elder food box, the Commodity supplemental Food Program, that we serve for 11 counties in South Central Kansas to folks who are 60 and above.
0: Oh, I wasn't aware that you were the largest there. Yes, now, yes. Now, are your programs and services, you're not limited just to Wichita, right?
1: No, uh, it, such as in the case of the Commodity Supplemental Food Program, we do 11 counties in South Central Kansas through partnerships. Um, we do the administrative, and we may take the food to those counties, but then uh, local churches or organizations get that and distribute those. Um, we also um, do home visits. Uh, Home deliveries, about 350 to 400 people a month who can't get out to get that food.
0: How many employees do you have?
1: Oh, that's a good question, depending with with the employee issue, staffing issues we have these days, along with everybody else. Right now, we have 17 Mm -hmm. uh, with four positions open.
0: Four of them are open though.
1: Uh-huh. At the moment.
0: (laughs) And how how, has it been... Have you had a lot of turnover? Have you had success in finding people? How's that gone?
1: You know, it's, it, COVID was a interesting time for all of us, right? So we had some struggles with that and even had to hire some uh, temporary to keep some of our programs open. But with that also me- meant some, some left us. Um, we had one program that actually even closed um, because we couldn't get the folks um, th- enrolled to serve. Mm-hmm. one of our homeless prevention programs. Um, and so it, it comes and goes, ed, eds and flows, just like everybody else, it, but it, and it always ta- costs more to, <laughs> to get somebody aboard.
0: I'll bet you have some volunteers, though.
1: We do. We have about 100 to 150 volunteers a week through our doors. Yeah, And still needing more. Many of, many of those are just now starting to come back with um, COVID uh, and the new normal. With that, and so people are starting to wander back in, but we are desperately in need of more volunteers.
0: You know, doing this show uh, every week and talking to folks like you and people who are involved in the community and doing good works, uh, there are a lot of people volunteering in this town. A lot of people.
1: There are. We've got a, a we've got a community that has a heart for um, the needs. So yeah. if they know a need, they're going to reach out and and address it. So. Um, and one of those is to give, give of time. So whether it's a group that just a one-time kind of thing, a building boxes, or, or somebody who wants on a regular basis to come in, which is what we really need um, the most, we would just love to have people.
0: How many, li- how many lives uh, do you think you touch in a year's time?
1: So last year we, we t- unduplicated individuals, 21,300, a little over 300. 21,307, to be precise. Um, So we touch a lot of individuals, and many of those last year were COVID-related who hadn't been in lines before.
0: How does that compare to other years, you know? Have you been able to track that?
1: Well, we're down actually a little bit uh, last year, and that's because some of our capacity issues with COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, We couldn't serve as many people because we had to limit space.
0: Do you uh, do you obtain any funding uh, from sources other than the Methodist Church?
1: Oh, absolutely! Only probably about two mm, percent of our budget actually comes from the United Methodist Church as a whole. Well,
0: they got the branding rights. <laughs> yes, they do have the branding <laughs> rights because they
1: started us. And I'm I'm clergy in United Methodist Church, so I love my church. But the funding side of it um, comes from all over, and so we, and we have other churches that give generously to us. Our second largest is a. a Lutheran Church. Really? Yeah. So, you know, it it doesn't matter. We go across all those... Kind of non-denominational. Yeah, yeah. all those lines It just whoever wants to join us in making a difference, we're we're happy to do that. But we also then get from United Way funding, some fewer programs, and um, some federal contracts and grants, and then a wide variety of philanthropy.
0: In November, you completed your annual turkey drive. Yeah. I assume that's that's not really where you get a bunch of turkeys and drive them down the street. This is... <laughs> oh,
1: well, that would be pretty exciting. Let's see if like we can't... Cattle, figure, yeah, like a cal- Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think that would... Yeah.
0: But what is the turkey drive? And so the ter- what did you accomplish with that?
1: Yeah, so the turkey drive is our annual big, huge event. And we partner... Uh, our largest partner is with USD 259. And so people collect food and money and then buy turkeys, frozen turkeys at that. And then bring them to us, and we distribute them the three days before Thanksgiving. And this year, it was over 2,300 individuals. Wow. Well, um, households, not individuals, households, but 2,300
0: yeah. households. How many years have you done the turkey drive? Oh. Um, no? You don't know? Uh,
1: 23, I think this is the... 23? this was our 23rd anniversary.
0: Well, now, I understand that uh, Open Door operates several programs. you got to try to... Talk about each today if we can, sure. uh, but let's begin with food. I think you already have. Uh, what should we know about food and hunger in this area?
1: You know, <clears throat> it's important to know that there are a lot of folks who are food, what we call food insecure, and that means that they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And so uh, most of those families, if they've got kids, those are the ones that are. it's very important to have free school lunches and those kinds of things. And we see an increase during the summer when those kids aren't in school and have that that the parents are having or guardians are having to come to us um, even more. So we have a program in which people can come once per month, um, 130% of poverty guideline, and um, we're just happy to serve. We're open the most Monday through Friday from basically 9 to 4 with um, taking lunch break for shift change.
0: Okay. And you said, do they have to, people have to qualify for that in some way? They, they do. But of
1: course, um, because we can't, unfortunately we don't have the resources to serve anybody and everybody who comes through. Now, having said that, if people have medical bills, you know, we're going to look at that kind of thing. Extraordinary bills, um, that may have caused them to have a rough moment, but normally wouldn't. We're going to, we're going to look at that. We're a ministry after all
0: and And they come to you to get the food, or you uh, no, they come to
1: us to get the food for the yeah, okay. for the regular community food ministry. Okay. yes, unfortunately, we can't deliver
0: okay um, and then you're talking about some uh, school uh, school feeding for the kids then too huh?
1: yeah, so that's an important piece of our partnerships with schools and the feeding summer feeding programs and those kinds of things. And then our other food food program is the Commodities supplemental Food Program, which is our elder food box that we do for 11 counties that we talked about.
0: Okay. Now, you're listening to Issues 2022 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Deanne Smith, Executive Director, United Methodist Open Door. I understand you have a clothing mission. We now, do. How important is clothing uh, to those who are struggling to get by?
1: It's pretty important. I mean, I know you got
0: to wear some. but Yeah,
1: you have to wear some. And, and you have to wear some in order to go, for, uh, go to school, and you have to wear some in order to get a job, and you have to wear some in order to be presentable at that job. So it's really, it really is a key um, ministry of ours, and we're, we don't um, charge anything for those. And so um, a lot of donors like that as well. Um, the, there's plenty of clothes in the world. It's a matter of how we get them distributed. And so we have um, the closed closet spelled with K's, and the, the um, volunteers lovingly call it the KK boutique.
0: The KK boutique. Uh uh-huh. where, where is that located?
1: That is at our downtown location at 402 East Second Street North.
0: And where do you get the clothing? Just do, uh, donations, just
1: donating um, to us. We have some great um, retailers who bring us those that it returns or they can't um, sell or so forth, um, like. Shout oh. out to the Boot, boot, bar, boot Barn. Boot, boot Barn? I've often yeah. wondered about that. Yeah. They bring us boots and jeans and lots of other things. Wow. And so they bring a, a truck and some folks and unload those. And so, yeah, there are places like that that, that kind of um, recycle, so say, returns or other overages.
0: Well, this week we've had a little taste of uh, what winter can be like in south-central Kansas. Uh, have you got enough uh, for, Heavy coats, have you got enough scarves, have you got enough gloves? Never enough. Never enough. Because
1: the other piece that we have over on, is, the, is a homeless day center. And so, you know, we're constantly trying to keep them warm enough to where they're not going to suffer. Do
0: you have a shelter program for the homeless center, right?
1: We do have a day shelter for a the homeless. A day shelter. So we don't have an overnight. It's not bed shelter, but it's a day shelter. And it's, and it's designed specifically for those who have to leave overnight shelters during the day, or who do not go into shelters for various reasons, and there are people who do that. We have six, over 64% of our folks who have mental health and substance, well, mental health, and mm. then another 40% that have substance use, and you know, they're not necessarily thinking very clearly, oh, yeah. um, and so they're not making good decisions about whether or not they should go into a shelter, or they can't because of anxiety disorders and too many people. It, it just, they can't so we've got to make sure that those folks have... Do you,
0: do you recall the number of homeless in, the, in that last count? They do a count every year. They do a
1: point-in-time count. Point-in-time. Which means a snapshot of yeah. one day. Yeah. And there are, I think, 630-some um, this year to kind of give you a feel for our year-round. Last year, we served almost 1,600 unduplicated individuals in our day center. Mm-hmm. And we serve most of single uh, men and women or or couples but um so those aren't children and those kinds of I was going to I
0: was saying one of the things that uh, we I've been talking about homelessness for for several years and you know uh one of the things that has struck me is that uh, among the homeless there are children and
1: there are children
0: I don't know how many there are but uh, there are children out there that have no place to live
1: that's right, and um, we get calls about families who are staying in their cars, and it's starting to get cold. And what do we do? And it's get it's too expensive to run the heater, so trying to encourage them to find uh, safe safe spaces. And there's a myth out there that if you know the families are homeless, they're going to get their, have their kids taken away, and that's not necessarily the case. We just want to make sure that the kids are taken care of. And if you're doing what you need to do in order to properly take care of them then that's not going to happen. Um, More domestic violence, um, folks fleeing, and, of course, they come with their kids as well. So that's always a challenge.
0: Well, can you share uh, one or two stories about people you have helped without using any names, names of course? Actually,
1: you know, we just yesterday, um, one of our churches adopted our family rabbitry housing programs, and that is uh, clients. And th- those are families who are coming from shelters or domestic fleeing domestic violence, living on the streets, um, and so they adopted those families, which we usually have about twenty five at, at twenty six at any point in time. And um, one of the women was thanking the the church members for for their gifts, and she told them their story. She uh, fleed from domestic violence, tried several times to flee, and was not successful. And finally this last time she she uh, got away and got to a safe spot Um, and with her kids she luckily she has a degree so she's able to be a substitute teacher in the city Mm -hmm. and so she's been doing that Um, she's had a little bit of health concerns and um, working a few jobs to try to try to get back on her feet and get the kids back in place so that is, that's just one story, and there are many like her that we help. Um, there's also those that we see in the day center. Like I said, a lot of them are mentally ill, and so it's a matter of us just trying to keep them well. We Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a woman in the shelter that um, people thought first was a seizure, and it was an overdose, and we were very fortunate that Hunter Health was was with us and okay. they had they had the Narcan which is the reversal drug yeah, for fentanyl and it, yeah. yeah for fentanyl and overdose and lot of laced with fentanyl these days and so it took three doses of Narcan to get her back mm. um, and you know we just have to keep working with those folks to get them to say yes to the services to be to be well and so we looked looked at that thank, thankfully she was with us and she was up and able to move and able to have some conversations about. Are you ready to go get help?
0: And you mentioned domestic violence, which is <laughs> an ongoing program. Yeah. Um, how how big is the how big uh, an impact does that have on, on all overall work that you're doing?
1: Then well, we're is, not a domestic violence um, specialist, no. you know, so I can't <laughs> give you all of those really wonderful statistics that some of my colleagues who do that very well could give. But we do have encounters with folks domestic violence particularly with our family rapid rehousing program we get those referrals um, af- they, they need rental assistance and supportive services and we make sure that they get connected with one of our partner agencies to to do the counseling and so forth th- well but we we um, I think at this point we have four that we've four families that we have um, helped with rental assistance that are currently in the program.
0: Have you know, can you share another story with us we got some time here?
1: Yeah so um, Excuse me. One of the one of the other folks that we have served, and I've just been having conversations with him, um, was somebody who'd been at in our day shelter for a lot of years, and we um, kept asking him, and he he volunteered for us doing laundry and those kinds of things, and kept asking him, you know, we need to we need to get you into housing. Let's talk to you about housing. Let's talk to some people, and he just kept saying, "Oh, somebody else deserves that more than me." And so we kept having that conversation. And um, finally, there was one night that he was going to sleep outside, and it was really cold. And I said, I'm going to worry about you. You're going to worry about me, he said. You've got so many other things. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to worry about you. And from that, along with other people in the community having the same kind of conversations, we started having conversations about getting him housing. So he is now housed, and he has gone to, back to school, graduated from W Tech, really? working, uh-huh. So sometimes they just don't think because of mistakes they made in their background that they're worthy. And so they think that somebody else deserves it more, and they're just going to keep doing. And you know, there's something, we, we are creatures of habit. And so it's comfortable once they get in kind of a routine and it's less stress in that way. You know, you think, gosh, being homeless is stressful enough, but... There's a level of stress <laughs> mm. um, and so it it's trying to get them to take the next step for positive
0: well, I, I most I look at the homeless people and I think oh that's sad and all that but and they there's no future what they can they ever get it back together and apparently you're having some success now and then at least
1: yeah there it is
0: that helps I hear a lot
1: you know well why don't they just go get a job and those kinds of things yeah. and and with the population that we serve that stand on a corner and talk to themselves, yeah. <laughs> you know, or yell at, yell at somebody else because of, that's not there, right. um, I, I've been known to kind of pretend to hold on to somebody that's there so that they can feel safe. Well, I'll take care of them while you go do. Mm. You know, that's kind of the stuff that that's pretty hard for somebody to get, get a job. So we take one step at a time. We meet, meet people where they are. And see what the next step is that we can get them and and above all we want to get them housing.
0: Does uh, Open Door have any fundraising events?
1: So um, throughout the year we have various times in which we um, ask for donations just like everybody else and then our turkey drive is our biggest event and we've had some fundraising come and go but we're really working on um, some higher level um, givers and and, and yeah, the Giving Hope Society okay. at a $1,000 level or more um, to, to try to nurture those one on one. And we're looking at other ways in which, a lot of times, fundraisers, unless you're a Zubilee or, mm-hmm. or Winefest or whatever, you know, it's more friendraisers because you, you use a lot of resources to.
0: Right. To, but don't <laughs> necessarily make
1: a whole lot, right? Yeah. So, so those, are, those are more introductory things of getting friends and then nurturing those.
0: I want to talk about you for just a minute. Where are you sure. from? I'm I, re- how did you come to this? this how did I come door? to this thing?
1: Yeah. So I'm um, from originally from Oklahoma, and um, I'm clergy. and met my husband um, in grad school, and he brought me back to Kansas. Um, I did my internship at then Urban Ministry in 1991. Um, from grad during grad school, and then went back and finished school, and then came back and started um, serving churches here in town, and got on the board of directors of then Urban Ministry, and then in ni- in two thousand and one, I became the executive director.
0: What are the biggest challenges you face at uh, Open Door?
1: Well, the one the one right now is um, getting access for mental health and substance abuse um, treatment. Um, The Mental Health Association did a uh, nationwide report um, just released about a month ago for 2023, and uh, we rank, Kansas ranks 51 out of 51 for a mental health um, prevalence and access to care.
0: Really? So we're at the bottom?
1: We're at the very bottom. Isn't that something to be proud of?
0: Well, you know, we talk about this. Mm-hmm. We talk about we it. We talk about we it. We talk about it with the the sheriff, the yeah, jail people, and everything. Right. And nothing happens in Topeka.
1: Yeah, and that's the challenge. And but we're starting to see a little bit of movement, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But that is the number one thing because many of the folks that we serve have that and we're and those are the ones you see downtown. It's not all the homeless. You know, people go we need to do something about these homeless people. Mm-hmm. Well it's the ones that are the hardest to serve to get it and, and legally we have to get people to say yes to those services they have to have that lucid moment and so when I get a lucid moment and say are you ready today to get help then it might be uh, two weeks to a month before I can get them a, an appointment unless they're in a crisis and so you
0: know the things that we've been doing downtown in Wichita with the new medical school yes. and all this and that very encouraging but there's this big gap there we gotta do something. Yeah,
1: we recently had somebody come in from New Jersey that um, her her community did what we call a functional zero to end uh, chronic homeless, which is one in, one out, basically. And you know, she made a point: you can you can um, revitalize downtown, but you've got to end homelessness in order to do that. And that's, and meaning that there's know. there's yeah. always going to be homeless around, but that's that one in when they, do we have the resources to get people when they g- fall on those hard times, or they have a crisis that we can get immediately back into housing, and so I think we just have to. I think there's the will to do something. It's just how do we do about it? Go about doing it. And there's a lot of plans out there.
0: Well, we want to thank you for the work you're doing. But it it's not you know, government can't solve everything. Nope. But sometimes it can help quite a
1: bit. It's a good part. <laughs> it takes a good partner, per- private and public partnership, to make it work.
0: There you go. Hey, thanks for being with us again, and uh, best to you coming up in the new year. Uh, our guest is Deanne Smith, Executive Director, United Methodist Open Door. And that is all for this edition of Issues 2022. We'll be back next week in the brand new year. Hey, how about that? Thanks for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.